0: Welcome to the Win the 16 Podcast, presented by Pygon One Consulting. This is your go-to podcast on optimizing your day. The Win the 16 Podcast features discussions on leadership and coaching, personal and professional development, as well as discussions on the modern work culture and engaging employees in hybrid and remote work environments. Your hosts are Dave Pygon, president of Pygon One Consulting, and his brother, Dr. Bud Pygon anesthesiologist at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome to Win the 16 Podcast. As always, thank you for listening today. And Carrie and the production team, we couldn't do without you, so thank you as always. Today, uh, my co-host, Dr. Bud Pygon, will not be with us, so we have a great pleasure and opportunity to interview a new friend of mine, his name is Jeremy Connie. He is the fractional chief marketing, marketing officer at, at Smartie, Smart Yeti. Excuse me. And for those of you out there listening already, just so you know, I didn't know what fractional marketing was either until my friend Jeremy taught it to me a couple months back. So uh, he is the fractional chief marketing officer at Smart Yeti, and he's going to get into many topics with us today. But uh, one of the highlights is going to be his experience in the world of marketing. So we're going to jump right in. I thought Jeremy would do a much better job than I sharing his background, where he came from. I think it's unique. I have not met an engineer who is now a guru in marketing. For those of you who have not, you're going to meet one today. So my, my new friend, Jeremy, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, buddy?
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Dave. I'm doing great. It's wonderful to be with you today to talk about uh, you know my background, my experience in marketing, and also win the 16. I'm excited to dig in with you.
1: Uh, you're already on my good side, just by bringing that up today, my friend. so I appreciate you. Uh, it's funny though, when we met and we got connected through a mutual good friend of ours, Ken Scales, and you told me what you did. I am not a guru in marketing at all, but I've learned in a serious note, a tremendous amount over the last year in starting my own company at Pygon One Consulting. Uh, The content marketing and promotion and advertising and digital marketing and analytical marketing. And then you come into my life and come up with my expertise is fractional marketing. And I go, I have no idea what you're talking about. So why don't we start with this journey? Why don't you go into your background which then will lead us right into what the heck fractional marketing is for some of our audience that does not know it. Because I think once they learn it, it's pretty incredible, actually. So Jeremy, why don't you hit it, take off and share us your background, my friend.
0: Oh, absolutely. So uh, a fair amount of people come into marketing from outside of marketing. Uh, A lot of people are self-taught. They go through courses. Uh, For me, I took that type of route and self-teaching. My journey into marketing starts all the way back in uh, engineering. I was a, uh, I went to uh, U of I Urbana-Champaign, great school. Had a wonderful time learning civil engineering. It this is one of the top engineering schools for civil engineering in the country. It really put me through the ropes in terms of learning a ton of information in order to solve problems. I got into theoretical and applied mechanics. I got into quantum physics. I got into some really heady issues. And then I went professional. I got out of college. I did civil engineering because I loved uh, technical topics. I loved problem solving. I was always a builder when I was a kid. I loved building, shaping, constructing some bigger idea that had multiple parts in order to work well work efficiently so i get into professional engineering i worked for three different engineering firms uh and i really liked it you know for the first half i would say i did it for six years and what i loved about it for those first three was learning the job learning how to solve problems going from a blank slate of a a lot of land that needed to be turned into a subdivision. I had to follow local, county, state, federal codes. So I had to follow the rules. I had to interface with bureaucrats in those positions, whether that state, local, uh, or federal level, in order to make sure I was designing things appropriately. And I had to take a lot into account Every subdivision, you think it's just a a piece of land uh, that needs to be shaped, but there are a ton of specifics. Where are you going to put the detention pond? How are you going to store water? How are you going to get water to that pond? What are all the elevations of each foundation for every building that's going to be built? How are the roads fitting in between them? So there was a ton of details. I loved getting into those details and figuring out how they all connected together and worked well. What I didn't like about the job that got me out of it was it wasn't creative enough for me. What I didn't tell you in my college experience is that I was also doing comedy improv at the time. I did comedy
1: improv for four years, all undergrad, all
0: every year.
1: Time out, time out, time out. Okay, so we've had many conversations and you're laughing over no one else can see you. Was this a surprise for the show today? How does that (laughs) not get into our conversation? Because I thought I asked you a lot of questions about your life. I can't wait to hear this.
0: Well, you know, sometimes it just doesn't pop up. And it is, you know, it's an integral part of how I work, but it's not always directly relatable to a business conversation. In some cases, I think it's a tremendous skill to utilize in that business, But it's more like, you know, duck feet. It's under the current. It's under the surface of the water that all of these improv skills that I learned are helping me succeed.
1: So how many, (laughs) I don't think we have an answer on this one. How many people, (laughs) engineers in the world, side job is stand up comedy? I mean, is there anyone else out there that we know of?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's I, I will say I do feel kind of special about being an engineer with improv training that also loves marketing. There's not that many people that have that trifecta of a background.
1: No, I love it though, because it's it does it it for me at least, Jerry, what it that conjures, conjures up right away from my brain is this that engineering piece is amazing in terms of detailed making sure everything is lined up properly but then that stand of comedy i always think of and i'm a jerry seinfeld fan uh robin williams i enjoyed years and years ago growing up i love their mental agility i love the way they will be able to think creatively and obviously you had to do that too the other thing they all do is this they're bold you have to be, to be in front of people and vulnerable like that. Uh, so we need to talk about more of that, but keep going on with your story there. This is great. Thank you.
0: I actually want to spend some time on that. Uh, it's, so there's a big difference between stand-up comedy and improv comedy. A lot really? of people don't, aren't familiar with it just because improv is a smaller scale. It's Second City, Improv, uh, Olympic. Uh, Groundlings, if you're out on the West Coast, um, uh, Upright Citizens Brigade in New York. But there's a huge difference in how people operate between these types of comedy. I've done stand-up as well, but I, I'm way more experienced in improv. The difference is stand-up is a solo act or you know, however many people are standing up. It's written. It's... It's all planned out and it's very specifically planned out for a certain delivery, timing. It's super structured, but improv as improv is a improvisation will say it's short for it is all on the spot and it's a team sport. It is. There are people that can do one person shows, but they are far and few between. They are very talented. And improv is more about how do you succeed as a team when you don't have a structure other than your training. And that to me is it's a great skill because it'll teach you how to be a team player in any situation.
1: I think you know what I think of when you were talking about that visually, I was thinking about the Navy SEALs how they're trained in the discipline and they're prepared unbelievably for their missions and all of that. But when you read about them, they're really trained for what they don't know that's gonna hit them yet. And really what I now, and I'm glad you differentiated that for all of us. There's the benefit of your engineering background already coming out being not only factual, but clarifying this is, is this correct, Jeremy? At the end of Second City here in Chicago, which is very popular, very famous, a lot of people went through Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Belushi, many famous people that went to Saturday Night Live and beyond. At the end of their shows, a lot of times they'll do an improv, the group of them on stage with a topic the audience will throw out there and they'll improv it, which can be so entertaining. Is that what we're talking about?
0: We are, and thanks for bringing up Second City. They're of they're one of the most common institutions uh, to talk about. They are considered the mecca of improv. Um, mm. What's oftentimes confusing for attendees is the difference between their main stage show, which is a sketch show. That's a written show. It's like a team standup show. Everything's written, prescribed. For the most part planned out there may be some small improvisations along the way or reaction off the audience but by and large it's all written but what you just brought up the end of the show at the end of the night they will do an improv set almost always and a lot of times they have a famous person that just happens to be in town that's how they'll wrap them into the show they'll get them to improv uh, improvise on that last last set of the day and it's super fun those are great wonderful shows to see because they are the performers getting to play
1: that's great I'm so glad you brought that up it's so fun uh we can do another podcast on that but we better get back to fractional marketing here <laughs> are you ready to define it Tell everybody out there who doesn't know what that is. Are we at to that point? Are we ready to go? Or is there something we missed on your background?
0: Uh, just a quick, uh, it's how I got to marketing. Sure. I, did, I, I basically took that second half of my career uh, in engineering and did two careers at the same time. I started building my portfolio of, of work in order to jump ship and be a freelance marketer in some way. I started out doing design, doing websites, but basically it was just whatever I could get as much as I could get, you know, for the, for my, the time that I could do at that time and my experience. And I built my experience in marketing just from seeing and listening to what clients needed, what they felt like was worthwhile to pay for. And so my journey into marketing is very organic. It's it's all about what has worked. What is the need for people in order for their business to succeed and thrive? And I wanted to meet those needs. So I've learned uh, I've learned along the way and how I and and now I'm at a position where uh, which you know we can talk now about a fractional chief marketing officer. What do they do? How they help? Um, getting to this position is really fulfilling for me because I would see clients that I would be working with on a very specific project, whether it's a website or a video. And, you know, they would often have a directive to work on this, but there wouldn't be a strategy uh, that I could see, or that I was led into uh, for how this asset, this marketing project would help them and help their bottom line. and that gap of understanding how the pieces fit together in terms of marketing was what drew me to this position, what excited me about fractional marketing. Um, and that's, that's the joy I see, just like from engineering. How do the specifics fit together and how they work for your larger goal?
1: I could see the parallel if you were going to define fractional marketing, let's start with the basic there for the average person who might not know. How would you define that in layman's terms for everybody, Jeremy?
0: Sure. So I can see the term fractional marketing applying a couple of different ways. I'm going to talk specifically about a fractional chief marketing officer to start. Okay. Um, a, a chief marketing officer, just a regular, is oftentimes seen as a full-time employee that works, that is hired and works at a, a company and is the leadership position for your marketing. They are setting your marketing strategy. They're working with the CEO to set that strategy, make sure it's meeting the business goals, and they're going to lead all the people that are working on the marketing, let's call them the marketing team. Sometimes they're going to be people that are inside the company, say a marketing coordinator, marketing manager, whatever, Uh, Or and or they might be people outside of the company, agencies that are managing your website, managing your SEO, maybe doing content uh, writing. Maybe you don't want to have those things hired in-house. Maybe they're better to have externally. Either way, they're people working on your marketing, so they're in your marketing team. A fractional CMO is just a part-time CMO. That's You're going to hire a CMO to be on your team, on your side, your company, for a fraction of the time, fraction of full time. Now, what that fraction is depends on your need and depends on your budget, but the duties are the same. I'm going to be, or a fractional CMO is going to be interfacing with the CEO. Understanding and making sure that the marketing strategy fits the business goals, and then translating that into management of the marketing team, whether or not they're internal or external.
1: I'm just connecting the dots in my own brain. So make sure I'm aligned, we're aligned on this. Here's where I'm thinking the genius comes in what you do. So please tell me if I'm off or I'm embellishing it, my friend. And that is this. I'm picturing it now you're in with a small, medium-sized company, Fair, right? Yep. And <clears throat> what you bring as a fractional chief marketing officer is you not only know the different aspects of marketing, your benefit, one of the benefits you bring other than the engineering background and all the marketing is you touch all these different companies with all these different experiences and can bring those to an organization. So you're not just bringing Jeremy's company, you're bringing Jeremy's company, who's worked with 70 other organizations in the last couple of years, who have some similarities and differences, who you then can bring that expertise and mold it to whatever that organization desires from you. So what I'm thinking is, what a massively competitive advantage it is for you in your business which you then in turn can make it a competitive advantage for the client and you would say
0: I agree and building up that's a great uh point i talk about that in its the, the like higher order value of the structure of an engagement of a fractional cmo industry experience varied experience that is continually updated I'm always out there networking, hearing from people that are oftentimes marketing to me because I'm a fractional CMO. I have that title on LinkedIn. People are marketing to me about their services. So I'm also getting whatever the latest, greatest software as a service, uh, tech agency that is succeeding out in the market. Usually, I'm hearing about it. And I can bring that to my clients.
1: I, I'm laughing and no one else can see it. Maybe they can hear me because I will tell you, ever since I started Pygon One Consulting and wrote the book, Win the 16, I've got a lot more friends out there contacting you. Let me just put that way out there. So a yeah. lot more people. Yep. So I'm laughing at that. But Jeremy, and again, in researching and preparing for our conversation today to dig deeper, again, please correct me if I'm wrong fractional chief marketing officers, you don't actually come in and do the work for these companies. You're the one who is really setting the vision. Once they say, "What, hey, this is kind of what we'd like to do, you're the person, correct me if I'm wrong, but in all my research, I believe you're the person who then would come in and really set the stage and creative vision based on what the client needs so then they are not wasting time And they have, for lack of a better word, the right pieces on the chessboard to move forward in the most positive, effective, and efficient way. Correct?
0: Yeah, I would say that's very accurate.
1: Okay, great. Because I don't want people to think you come in and now you are now going to do all their digital marketing for them. Or you're going to do the analytical side of that. That's not what you do. Right, my friend?
0: That's not how I would do it. Now there are, I would say, young CMOs that might take that on or clients that, um, really desire having a fractional CMO that essentially does everything. That's not how, that's not how I would suggest to interface with the CMO because there's value in separating out these, um. duties, the marketing execution, uh, the actual doing of the marketing, whether it's writing content, uh, revising a website to be technically sound for SEO, all of that takes not only really specialized expertise, but time and labor that is better suited (laughs) for other people than say the CMO, because the CMO is usually going to be relatively pretty expensive compared to other labor. So dividing those things out and having your CMO be in charge of setting the board pieces, aka who's doing the work, when are they getting it done, making sure that they understand what needs to be done and answering any questions that come up along the way. That's my purview. And and of course, making sure the CEO knows what's going on.
1: Is there anything else that that small, medium-sized business owner needs to know about what you would do? You did a really nice job so far. Anything else you missed? Or are we good with that?
0: You know, I would say a lot of uh, small, medium-sized businesses um, oftentimes unknowingly have the ceo as the cmo this is you know if you don't have a cmo on staff somehow that means that your ceo is essentially your cmo or you're relying on someone else to act as your cmo say a marketing manager or whoever you are delegating this to as a ceo but by by and large it's the ceo it just goes these marketing issues that don't get managed and solved by a CMO, then go to go to the CEO to solve. And there's a couple of issues that happen with that. Oftentimes the CEO is very strapped for time. They, yeah. they don't Funnels. have they don't have time to focus on marketing. And therefore it oftentimes gets deprioritized and deprioritized enough that it doesn't get funded. Um which is a whole separate issue. But what I'm trying to say is that if you don't have a CMO, that means you, the CEO is the CMO, and that can, that, that might mean that your marketing is being run inefficiently just because you don't have someone focused on it and experienced in managing it, which is something that it's, it's a tough pill to hear probably for a, a small business CEO but the sooner it comes on your mind the sooner you'll get to plan for it and there's going to be a time when it's a good fit that'll be before hiring one full time hiring a CMO full time and that's where a
1: fractional CMO really fits well i jeremy i can i can vouch for what you just said because i'm 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 that small company that person who's doing these different things in marketing and i've got all the sales and some marketing experience, but marketing can be expensive. So you want to be most efficient and effective where to put your money, because we all agree it's important. It needs to be done. And there's so many options and alternatives. I can guarantee absolutely somewhere during my journey here with Pygon One and the book, I put money in the wrong bucket. because I'm not the expert. I mean, what you said is just so uh, so smart. That's the only way I can think of them. I mean, it's just smart. Uh, I love smart people. Now, this has come up prior to meeting you, and now that I've met you, it's going to be a nice alter- It's going to be a nice alternative for my clients to bring you in. Is this? Can you explain to everybody because this has come up before I met you? Marketing agencies. Versus fractional chief marketing officer. They are different. I know that now. Please explain that to the audience who does not know that the difference in your marketing agencies and the fractional chief marketing officer.
0: Oh, I love that question. I just did a whole podcast episode, uh, a whole webinar on this recently. Oh, really? How, (laughs) How does a fractional CMO fit in the landscape of marketing providers? So marketing agencies, as I would, as I understand them and would find them, is there a wholly external company that is focused on a certain number of marketing tactics and pardon me, I'm going to throw out vocabulary, but I'll define it as I go along. Um, a tactic to me is a, a specific marketing, um, set of to do's you, you can say SEO is a tactic. Um, you know, advertising certain uh, whatever, like Google AdWords would be a tactic. It's a quiver and it's an arrow in your quiver for your marketing strategy that is your total set of arrows, essentially. Um, So these agencies, they can be small and maybe focused on one or two tactics, say they're doing your SEO and your Google ads. And they're probably pretty good or hopefully pretty good at those two things. They could be as large as saying uh, a full-size agency uh, that you know, wants to handle everything of your marketing. And they'll probably tell you that they can handle all aspects of your marketing, but they're still gonna be limited. They're gonna be limited in their knowledge, who's internal to the agency with their specialized uh, specialized expertise, And then they'll have some partners, other contractors that are in their network that they either white label and manage themselves, but you don't know it. And they're a a part of your marketing team, but not a part of the company. Mm. Either way, this is still a external company that is selling you on the idea that they can handle your marketing tactic in execution and managing that execution for you. They might also say that they can do your marketing strategy, which is not going to be in itself incorrect. They probably can. What I caution people is that they're almost always going to be recommending a marketing strategy that they can do. They're not going to be recommending uh, or what their external vendors that they're connecting with can do. They're not going to be treating it as a truly agnostic approach to your marketing strategy, meaning they won't be first and foremost, taking your revenue into account, turning it into a marketing strategy that you are managing. Right. So
1: it, that's it, you know,
0: agencies.
1: It, it, when I listen to that, Jerry, what, what we're not, we're not saying people are not being good people or yeah. what we are saying is though, if I'm them, They've got an expertise that they know very well and they're confident in, so they're going to want you to do what they know well. What you're saying is that might not be the best alternative for the client. It could be outside their box, which is ultimately the best alternative, correct? Yeah, it's to me, I want to bring
0: awareness to the conflict of interest. It's an inherent conflict of interest, and that's okay. But you got to be aware of it if you're deciding to spend thousands of dollars on a company doing your marketing.
1: And and that leads me – that's a great segue. That leads me into one thing I wanted to ask you today, and that would be this. What's the right time for a small business or medium-sized business to call Smart Yeti and my friend Jeremy and say – We'd like to have a conversation. When, when is that?
0: So for me, I, there are a ton of ways that you can slice this. The simplest ones are revenue, but they're really not the most valuable in terms of understanding when it's a good fit for a company. I would say you have a product or service. You've been doing sales consistently but you are hitting a barrier. You haven't been able to scale that revenue up without changing something. And you either have tried marketing in some way and it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked to your desired outcome, whatever that is. And you're not sure how to either start that marketing or get that marketing from inefficient and ineffective to effective and effectively working.
1: Can I throw one in? Yeah. This is what I was thinking because when I was talking to you and that is, I think my marketing's right. I believe it, but I'm not arrogant enough to say I would bet my mortgage and my life on it. I part of, What I would think would make sense for some people is calling you to figure out, am I doing, I think we're going well and doing the right avenue, but I'm not the guru. Am I, I guess I'm thinking, I'm not only calling smart Yeti when I, Houston, I have a problem. I'm thinking to be proactive, it might be good to get you involved because I might be doing well, but I could do better. Is that another fair conversation?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I would characterize that as uh, external validation, which is another differentiator yes. between an agency and a, a fractional CMO. You know, I'm I'm going to be on. I'm essentially an ex an external person, but an extension of the client, and I'm working to help them first and foremost, solely. So you can get that external validation of what you're doing, the parts that you're doing well, and you'll also get the external feedback for the parts that you could improve on.
1: Yeah. And you know, Jerry, not just for Smart Yeti, your business, uh, I think it's the same as mine in Pygon one A lot of times when I'm communicating those discovery conversations with clients, they immediately want to go and, oh, This part of our business needs help. This group needs help. These leaders or this person. And I always have to stop them at some point and say, That's great. Love to have the conversation, figure this out. But I want you to think a little differently, too. And that's this. And that is, who's doing really well? Are you interested in taking those really well performers or departments and making them out of this world? Because my guess is, They'd probably be open to it because they're already really good, and that's the same thing I'm thinking with Smart Yeti and some of these companies. Like our marketing's good and really good. Is there an opportunity to be out of this world? I don't have an answer, but it's worth a conversation. That's what I was thinking for you, my friend.
0: Oh yeah, those would be great conversations to have. Yeah,
1: because they're I've, good.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, in my experience. Um, A lot of small businesses oftentimes just don't want to talk about their marketing. Yeah. Well, it's an expense.
1: Uh Uh Uh-huh. It's an expense. And it's, for some of us, it's not black and white. It's in that gray area, and it's an expense. And once we get it going, we kind of want to just put it to the side and get back to what we really do. At least I can tell you from my perspective as a small business, other people out there might be completely different. But they're not all engineers like you, my friend. So the engineers in the world are like, you want to make sure it works. Then you want to go back and make sure it still works. That's your background. Some of us just want to put it out there and say, okay, we're good, and then let it go. And that's your expertise. I want to finish with this because I always love for people to walk away with some lessons, some learnings. What is a lesson or two that you would share with your small businesses when it comes to marketing? What would you like to share with everyone in that perspective?
0: A lot of small businesses are succeeding on sales winners being good at selling, oftentimes the CEO. The step that needs to happen between that, that is often missed and having successful marketing is understanding why you're winning. And it can't be just because the CEO is charismatic, not if you want to scale, not you need to understand your competitive advantages to the market and be able to express them and to have your salespeople and your marketing express them. So finding what you're going to essentially hang your head on for why you're different, why you should be considered for a sale, whatever that sale is, is super important. Mm. Do that work. Do that reflection. Talk to your team. Talk to your salespeople if they're different than the CEO and find what is resonating and then have that feed into your marketing and then feed back into your sales as you get more data, and so on. That that is the lifeblood of any business, and one of the hardest jumps from a small business to a medium-sized
1: business. I wrote it down because that comes up. I wrote that down. I have two final questions for you, if I may. Please, one, you are one of my loyal Windows 16 friends and you read the book, I'm going to throw this out to you. Favorite part or a chapter or something you'd like to share or maybe one of the skills in there that you're, you're, you're adamant, knowing you and as accomplished as you are, you are crushing it in probably most if not all those skills, but anything you'd want to share to the audience today who are listening.
0: Oh, I love the question. Thanks for asking, Dave, because I loved reading this book. It was a straightforward approach to how you can better yourself in a structured way to achieve your goals. It's stuff that has been percolating in my mind ever ever since I became a professional and certainly since I became an entrepreneur. I related to a lot of this book. Uh, some of the standout moments were your uh, chapters on positivity. Positivity and positive thinking um, is really inherent in improv. You have to you have to agree on ideas in order to build ideas. Now that doesn't mean that you're always agreeing on every idea, um, but it means that the improvisers have to agree you have to be able to feel like you're building rapport with your team member and agreeing on something that you're doing. And
1: that I have a question. I raised my hand. None of of you can see it, but I raised my hand. (laughs) Jeremy can see it. Uh, I think this would be wonderful, teachable moment for people, including myself during improv. There are times when I don't want to say you bombed it, but it doesn't go over well. Okay, that's the reality of it. Nobody's perfect in the business world or not even any any type of business, any type of working that we're doing. Things don't go well. I always say the positive people, when things don't go well, they can double down on positivity and they can learn from why it didn't go well. And learn from that experience and they don't go for lack of a better word negative or get depressed so how did you handle it as a stand-up improv person when you go oh no Houston we got a problem that did not resonate with the audience because you had to stay positive you couldn't show that your heart might got broken for a second there and you would say
0: So this is, this is absolutely a great teaching moment and how, and how improv relates to business. We go back to how this is a team sport in your business setting. Let's say someone bombs in whatever way fails in some way. Happens. Imagine your whole team as coworkers are saying, yep, that sucked. That definitely didn't work, but there we're all in agreement that didn't work, but that's okay. We're going to take that and say and do something different that is going to work. And we're going to be here to support you in that. Same thing with an improv team. You could have even more so if every bomb is an opportunity for a golden joke later mm-hmm. because you've got the attention of the whole audience when something either works, but, but definitely when it doesn't. And well, oh yeah, good, yeah. Of course. A, a good improv team will take something that doesn't work and say, yep, that we all agree. You know, they might not be saying it out loud, but they're all agreeing that didn't work, but we can make it work. We can find something that is either on the flip side or just another idea that this new information about the audience didn't like that. We can use that to find what they do like.
1: Mm. Good stuff. Very good stuff. Last question for you. If anyone would like to contact you and your organization, if you could please, now everybody always can contact me and I'll connect you to Jeremy. If you could, Jeremy, if you could please share how people could contact you if they would like a conversation, that would be wonderful at this time.
0: Absolutely. You can find my website at uh, smartyeti.co. You can email me at Jeremy at and that's .co, not .com. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Jeremy Connie. I'm sure my name will be in, uh, in this uh, typed out somewhere in this podcast description. Yes. Find me, connect with me, message me, say hi, ask me something about marketing. I am a super open guy, always looking to educate, support
1: whenever I can. You are my my improv friend. You are now my engineering friend and my fractional chief marketing officer friend. I didn't have those earlier in the year, so now i got three new friends, so it's fantastic. Your multiple personalities fit in well with me, so thank you. Uh, Jeremy, thank you today. You were brilliant to no surprise. We all learned a bunch, I'm sure. To the audience today, thank you for always listening. participating with us with your questions, comments, all wonderful stuff. For those of that have purchased and read Win the 16 principles and strategies to optimize your day, I say it all the time, but I'm humble. It means the world to me that you bought it, read it. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to Win the 16 podcast. And we'll be back with you in a couple weeks. So win the 16, everybody, and have a great one.
0: Thank you for listening to the Win the 16 podcast presented by Pygon One. Please follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Episodes will be released every other Wednesday
1: at 7 a.m. Central Time. Thank you and go win the 16.